Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Welcome to To The Point. This is Eric Trexler, your host. Erica is unable to join us this week, but we have a ton of great guests, and we're going to talk about Force Points predictions for 2020, cybersecurity predictions. Every year, we ask our cybersecurity researchers, engineers, and strategists to predict what they, will believe, what they believe will impact the cybersecurity landscape of the future, the next 12 months. Today, we have Nico Fischbach, our CTO of Force Point. Um, to talk about and introduce the predictions that we did publish uh, er, in late 2019. We also have Mike Gruss, who you may remember from episode 53. We, the topic was cybersecurity messaging in government. He's the editor of Fifth Domain with us to get his opinions on the predictions. We're also joined by Phil Goldstein, senior editor for FedTech and State Tech magazines. You might remember Phil from episode 54 on cybersecurity challenges that are impacting us. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. No, this is going to be a good one. So this is to the point. What I would like to do is is to get going. Uh, Nico, would you introduce the the uh, five predictions that Forcepoint came out with? Yes, yes. Uh, and thanks for having me again. You know, it's good to be back on to the point. And honestly, I'm actually looking forward to this content because you know I always have the enterprise view of the world. You know, and the feedback. You know, and I'm actually very keen to uh, to see. You know. How the uh, you know the people that work more on the government side, on the federal side, you know, see those threats or those um, predictions, you know, apply or not, you know, to uh, to that environment. So, as you said, Eric, we've been doing those for quite a few years now, and this time we we decided to narrow it a little bit. You know, we only went for five, but you know, five big ones, you know, five big rocks, and uh, I think on some of them we've we've already been proven right. So the five of them to go to the list. Uh, before it means we they weren't risky, daring enough. We need to work on that with the team. Ah, oh yeah, exactly. So the the five we have, um, you know, we want to you know share with you with the uh, with the audience is the first one is DeepPick as a service, and okay. you know, all those are changing. You know, um, you know they've been around for quite some time, and but you know it's going to become very very interesting. You know, five G. I mean, obviously, your five G. You know, is very visible in the consumer space. But there's also going to be a quite some impact, you know, on both enterprises and governments going forward. So, uh, you know, there's a few interesting tidbits I want to touch on um, on 5G and then move to the cloud. You know, obviously in the enterprise space, you know, this is, you know, top of mind. You know, a lot of the um, DIOs, they are thinking cloud first nowadays or, you know, uh, you know, cloud first, but, you know, hybrid ready. You know, I'm very keen to understand, you know, how that you know, applies to, uh, to the government side of the house and, you know, what do you guys need to do and how you look at it maybe differently, you know, than the enterprise, uh, enterprise of this world. Okay. The next one, data and privacy. You know, top of mind, again, consumer space, enterprise space, government space, for various reasons, you know, probably on the government side more on the regulations. But again, you know, a very top of mind subject, you know, with GDPR and force, you know, CCPA in California and the U.S., and then finally, you know, one that I really like a lot, and it's not because you know, I came up with it, is this shift from what we call IOCs, so indicators of compromise, to what we kind of you know, came up with, which are IOBs, uh, indicators of behavior. You know, and you will see you know, how that fits you know, very much into our you know, thinking at Pulse Point. So those are the five, Eric, uh, that we want to talk about today. 
Awesome. Phil, what do you think? Did we, were we daring enough or were, were we too conservative here? Uh, I think that covers quite a lot of ground when it comes to the security landscape. So I'm excited to get in and talk about them. Awesome. Awesome. Mike, thoughts? Uh, cybersecurity is always fun because it's the it's it's unpredictable, right? I mean, I don't think even a couple of years ago we would have guessed that deep fakes were one of these topics. So yeah, we weren't even uh, talking about them, right? Yeah, it's a fun game to play. It is when you uh, when you do a deep fake with Nancy Pelosi, though it gets everybody's attention, including ours, I suspect. So, Nico, kick it off. Let's talk deep fakes. Tell us what we uh, what we're predicting and what we're seeing. I suspect this is one where we were uh, we're already starting to see the prediction come true. Or exactly. I mean, and, de- and deep fakes, the term which is still kind of pretty newish. You know, it's been used a lot lately because it hit the news. I think you know Facebook just you know, announced a few weeks ago that they will try to detect deepfakes you know, on their platform. Uh, it got coined in, I think, from memory 2017. And you know, like, like, like the team just said, you know, the advancement in machine learning, you know, neural networks, and so on, you know, actually enabled deepfakes. So I think what we have today in, t- in terms of tools and power uh, you know, enables us to do that. And clearly, I mean, the, the prediction is that you know, deepfakes will become more common. You know, and I think we've already been proven right. And uh, they'll be used um, for two reasons, or two main reasons. You know, one, to influence the masses, right? You know, and it's been looked at, uh, uh, you know, a lot, especially in the U.S. because of the election coming up. But, you know, what we also believe is that, you know, deep fakes will be much more common when it comes to social engineering. You know, we all know about phishing. I think, you know, many of the, uh, the people who are listening to this podcast have probably had some security awareness training on phishing. But, you know, mostly looking at, you know, emails and websites, you know, and, uh, you know, the deep fakes are also going to make their way, you know, into the, the phishing schemes. And, uh, you know, it's going to they're going to become much more subtle and, you know, much, much more kind of real and interactive. So uh, what we're also saying is, yeah, deep fakes, some of them have been around. We've seen, I think you, you've talked about the Nancy Pelosi one, there's, you know, a few more. Um, but also, you know, with the computing power and the shift to even maybe a criminal model where you're going to have deep fake as a service, you know, you actually have, you know, you're going to end up with interactive deep fakes. Like, you know, if you remember the, the Google demo where the Google bot was making a call and appointment on your behalf and interacting with, you know, the hairdresser on the other side of the line, you know, we could see deep fakes, you know, actually become not just static, but actually become interactive. And that's going to be a challenge for many in the enterprise space, you know, for ourselves in our private lives. But also, you know, for government agencies, you know, because, you know, they hold the keys to many, many things when it comes to identity, right? So, so, you, so you're you know, saying Sally, the computer hacker, could create a, a deep fake service, if you will, or, or even a nation state, potentially, rather than them attacking countries out there in systems through, through phishing, of course, they could actually create the capability to spread disinformation and then mass market that. I think it's exactly two things, right? I think that you're going to see criminal groups create a deep fake as a service platform that you can just buy the service from. Five bucks and, and you can put your face and whatever. Yeah, for on. example, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, and, and, you know, and complement that to your second point about, you know, automation and bots. So how do you kind of leverage that deep fake as a service, that deep fake, to automate the inferencing through social media, through directed attacks, through other means, right? So... It's really going to be a combination of deep fakes and the automation around it that we're going to predict and probably see. Mike, what do you think? 
No, I think I think this is a, a really fascinating area. You know, we've seen a lot of interest um, on the government side here. I know uh, Congress, I, I believe, held uh, a hearing on this earlier in the year. Um, they did. We've seen a ton of interest. They had a prize competition. They were hoping to help find some answers to to make deep fakes a little more obvious. You know, we've seen a, a lot of attention from the Defense Department in this area, particularly as Nico mentioned that information warfare becomes a, a much hotter topic. There's programs with, from IARPA, the intelligence community's kind of blue sky organization that, that looks at really hard to solve problems that, that ways to identify deep fakes more. So, so I think this is going to be a, a really big issue um, that's going to that's going to come up. And, and, and Nico touched on this a bit, but, you know, it, it's two different reasons. It, it's one, the information or disinformation campaigns that we're seeing. And of course, with the election, but on a much broader scale as well. You know, the last time we talked about even something as small as saying, like, hey, here's a deep fake of a commander. And he's saying, hey, that I know it seems like there wasn't a lot of snow today, but the base is closed like that could that can create a lot of havoc and that's that's what a lot of folks are after is is just creating havoc and then the second part which is which is even potentially more nefarious on a personal level is when you see videos of someone being put in a compromising position or obviously a very unflattering video and it's like hey if you don't do this we're going to release this video that shows you in this position and like i think that gets that's going to get really tricky and create a lot of security problems for organizations everywhere. I can't remember the, the officer's name, but the Germans in the Battle of the Bulge in World War II sent Germans in American uniforms and, and some equipment to critical road junctions to send people in different directions. And, and as you were talking through this, th that was what my mind went to. I mean, a total disinformation campaign. And if it's a service, it's, it's cheap, it's easy, and anybody can do it. I think we keep forgetting that, like even small bits of chaos, can can have 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 big impact. So that's why we're seeing the federal government take this so seriously. Yeah, no, I agree. Phil, your thoughts? I would agree with everything that Mike laid out in terms of the dangers uh, posed by deepfakes, and also just add that it's likely that the volume of them uh, that we're seeing. Uh, across the internet is going to increase as the election gets closer. And I think that like most technologies, uh, it's something that's going to become more sophisticated over time. And it's going to become more and more difficult to be able to, uh, to the naked eye kind of know, oh, this is a deep fake or this is something that is real. And, you know, I think that defenders are going to have to invest in uh, a commensurate amount of technological sophistication when it comes to, you know, algorithm analysis um, and image analysis to be able to definitively and quickly determine that something is a deep fake um, and it could potentially become kind of an arms race that way. Yeah, I think this is a real problem. This is one I saw, and, and we talk about it quite a bit. But you know, the disinformation side, the 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 real the realism in the phishing side. Uh, you know, how do you know? And and when most people in the connected world get their news, more people get it from social media than actual you know proper news outlets. It, it to me, this one's a scary one. You, you know, who do you believe? How do you know if it's real or or or? Uh, 
what was it, Memorex, I believe, was the uh, the old commercial. I mean, how do you, how do you know? I, I think this is a this is a problem we're gonna we're going to deal with for a much we're gonna deal with it with for a long time. Okay, Nico, let's switch to five G. What's the next uh, introduce it? Would you? Yes, yeah. So five G. I mean, te- technically, if you look at it, you know, I mean, there's a lot of talk about five G. You know, it's it's the next big thing, but you know, fundamentally, it is an evolution of three G and four G. You know, what you get with five G is more bandwidth, less latency. You should have, you know, more density, so better coverage. But also what, you know, 5G brings is, you know, access to many more components. Um, you know, think of it as sensors, yeah. uh, you know, to, um, to complement what's being done with, you know, low run or six fox, six fox, all the technologies. So that means that, you know, not just, you know, the consumer or the enterprise space, which has been using, you know, 3, 4, 5G for many, many years, we're going to see 5G also appear in the OT side of the house. So the operation technology side of the house. So you will end up with sensors, you know, in the, um, the critical infrastructure environments using, using 5G. And in the um, office space, the, uh, the Alexas of the world, the series, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, probably too. I mean, I think a lot of the things in the offices and back home will probably still stay on Wi-Fi for quite some time. But, um, you know, the, the big, big change is really kind of, I think, for the, uh, the OT side of the house, uh, the CI side of the house. And, um, you know, what it also means, it's going to enable even more mobile workforce. I mean, we already, you know, deal with a lot of data today on all mobile devices, you know, what, you know, whatever they are, wherever we are and so on. And, you know, 5G is going to enable even more mobility, right? And that means that, you know, from a pure network point of view, you need to look at, you know, infrastructure security and so on, but that's kind of more for the telcos. Um, you know, if you look at it again from a, from a consumer angle, you know, being at the enterprise or, or the government, um, you know, how do you protect the data that's, you know, transiting, roaming, circulating, you know, over that 5G environment? So one of the predictions is that, you know, 5G is going to enable even faster data breaches because it enables faster data movements there will be even more connected devices that become that can become you know entry points or data x field points in the environment so that's another you know prediction we have and um, you know something that you know people really didn't have on the radar because there's a lot of trust you know with the, that environment and transitive trust right. so how do you as a CISO in the enterprise of the government space you know, look at 5G and the security of the mobile cloud and SaaS and data applications you have running over it. So it's not as much about the bandwidth as, as the accessibility to, to information and data and, and the bandwidth then at that point. Phil, I know you've spent a lot of time here. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sure. Yeah. So um, in my prior life, I used to cover the wireless industry pretty exclusively uh, and deeply. And, um, you know, 5G obviously is going to become the next big wireless standard roughly for the next decade or so. That's how it tends to go. You know, once a decade, you get this major upgrade. Um, So obviously, you know, you're going to be able to, as an attacker, potentially um, extract data at a faster rate because you have that faster bandwidth. Um, But yeah, I, I think that the real danger is going to come with uh, all the uh, devices that are potentially going to be connected to 5G networks um, in Internet of Things environments. Um, You know, I know that from a federal perspective, 
the DOD has started to um, move ahead with 5G pilots at various bases around Huge the country. Interest. Yep. Huge uh, interest. And, and I think that uh, civilian agencies are also going to be looking at 5G uh, as well. So, you know, uh, I believe that, uh, you know, for a 4G LTE cell tower, it's roughly like 2,000 devices uh, can connect to one cell tower. And for 5G, it's, you know, orders of magnitude um, larger than that, just because of the way that the standard um, is set up and the sort of evolution of the technology. So you're potentially going to have, um, especially in urban environments, um, lots and lots of connected devices. And that obviously means lots and lots of threat vectors. Um, so, you know, uh, I think, you know, the, the telecommunications companies are obviously going to have to work very closely with um, agencies that are interested in deploying 5G to ensure that the networks are as secure as they can be. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's just another faster network that's going to enable more and more connected devices. And, um, you know, as we've seen um, in the past with uh, Wi-Fi and, and 4G, um, you know, connecting devices to the internet just means that it's another potential, um, you know, threat vector. So from your background, I mean, this has to be nirvana, right? Everything's connected all the time, everywhere with massive speed. I mean, if you went back th 20 years, th this is what we dreamed of. We, we didn't think about the security angles as much, but th this was the dream, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think that, um, you know, 4G obviously kind of led to a increase in capabilities over 3G in terms of uh, streaming video and, um, you know, just greater capabilities of the network. But uh, 5G does represent uh, kind of a, a quantum leap in not only uh, bandwidth and lower network latency, but just in terms of what it has the potential to connect, um, you know, and people, you know, I, I don't think that these examples are going to uh, happen overnight, but people in the industry, you know, talk about this really being the enabling technology for vehicle-to-vehicle uh, -vehicle communication, uh, potentially, you know, down the line autonomous uh, vehicles. So, there is a lot of potential there, but I think that the security threat is there as well. Mike, on episode 53, we, we spent a lot of time on cybersecurity messaging. As, as we're talking 5G yep. here, what's coming to your mind? I know you spent a lot of time interviewing people and, and writing. I think, uh, I think Phil's covered this area pretty closely, but you know, I think the one thing that, that immediately comes to mind, and it, it's not directly cybersecurity related, but it is, security related and that's, there's a huge debate right now about 5G hardware and and how that's how that's going to play out and so I think we've seen some concerns on the hill already you know I know particularly uh, some folks in the intelligence committee so I think I think the big debate going forward is going to be how these at least for the short term is how are these 5G networks going to be built what kind of hardware are they going to use and where you know where that where that hardware comes from, and and until those issues are kind of settled, I think unfortunately some of the cybersecurity concerns are going to take a back seat, and that and that creates a real risk. 
It's interesting. We had Katie Arrington on a couple of weeks ago from the uh, CMMC, Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Team, and they're pushing really hard on the DIB suppliers to apply the NIST frameworks to how they protect information. And as you talk about the devices and, and the, the creating these these capabilities, uh, 5G was top of mind for her. Top of mind. It's, it's why they're pushing so hard on CMMC because of the real threat that they see. Okay, so we're going to split this into a two-part episode. I appreciate everybody's feedback. We, we have a lot here. I'm going to break here and, and thank our listeners for listening. We appreciate you tuning in every week. Send your comments. Let us know what you like, what you dislike, what you want to hear. If you, if you have guests you want to hear from, let us know. We, we appreciate the feedback. It helps us make it a better show. And what we're going to do is uh, pick this up next week. So for now, thanks for listening to To The Point Cybersecurity. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 